What's up, coaches? You are tuned in to keep your pads down. And after a week off, we are back feeling refreshed and ready to talk some football. So wherever you're checking us out today across this great country of ours, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we did not have an episode last week, but if you do follow us on Twitter, then you know we celebrated our top 10 most downloaded episodes. Uh, if you missed that, I'll give you a quick rundown, starting with number 10. Uh, they are uh, our number 10 most downloaded episode was, was Coach Jonathan Darby, whom I coach with uh, here at PG. I can't say enough about that dude and and what he means to me and and uh, just really appreciate him. Uh, number nine, Coach Shane Martin. He's the defensive coordinator uh, at Mart High School. They've won several state championships. Uh, he is a great dude. I actually talked to him this past week, uh, talking some football with him. Just really, really enjoy Coach Coach Martin. Um, number eight is Coach Ruffin McNeil, who's now at NC State. He was at Oklahoma at the time. We had a conversation. Loved talking with him. I uh, got to run into him a couple of times when he was at OU uh, coming through recruiting and always enjoyed when Coach McNeil stopped by. Number seven is Mike Roach, who covers uh, the Longhorns for uh, 24-7 sports. Uh, to get to, to run into uh, Mike a few times a year at camps and clinics, and then he'll come over here uh, to our place uh, once or twice a year and always love talking with Mike. Uh, number six was Coach Paul Croft, uh, who uh, at the time we did our episode was uh, the D-line coach for Owasso in, um, up there in Oklahoma, and they had just won a state championship. Number five was Coach Chad Worrell, who uh, was coached, uh, started the program at Brock and, and won a state championship there and now is at El Campo. Uh, doing a great job with the Rice Birds, and then next up, number four was Coach Larry Harmon, who at the time of our of our uh, of our episode was the uh, was the defensive coordinator there for University of Mary Harden Baylor, who uh, is really the gold standard of Division three programs, uh, won several championships, and now he's the head coach actually. So that was our number four. Number three was Coach Trey Bryant, uh, who was the defensive line coach at McKinney at the time of our conversation, and now he's the head coach at his alma mater there at Berkner High School. Uh, really, uh, again, that was a great episode. Enjoyed talking with Coach Bryant. Uh, number two is Coach Jeremy Hickman, who has, if you guys listen to this podcast, any you know that he is a very close friend of mine um, and, and a mentor of mine. Uh, we we recorded that episode as I was getting ready to leave uh, Tyvee High School, uh, I guess a couple of years ago now, three years ago, actually. Uh, he was the defense coordinator there then. Now he uh, is just recently named the head football coach and athletic director uh, at his alma mater there at Fort Stockton. So really proud of him and happy for him. And our number one most downloaded episode is Coach Cornell Thompson, uh, who just this past year retired as the head coach from of, of West Orange Stark High School. He was my defensive coordinator in high school, and I have the obviously the utmost respect for him and, and really enjoyed his episode. So there you go. Obviously, a, sh a huge shout-out to those guys for joining us. Um, I could keep on talking up each one of them individually and how much I appreciate them. But for now, I'll just say thank you to them. But also a big thank you to all of you guys out there for giving us a listen each week and uh, making this podcast so much fun. Uh, in addition to highlighting our top 10 most downloaded podcast episodes, uh, over the weekend, I also spotlighted our top five most viewed episodes on YouTube. Uh, for those of you who do not know, we do have a YouTube channel, um, a link to which can be found in the show notes uh, of every episode each week. Uh, and if you give those a watch, you'll be able to see film cutups and slides to go along with um, you know, our conversation with our guests that week. Uh, I think we actually have 19 videos on our YouTube. Um, so if you haven't checked out our YouTube page, go and do that. Uh, but a big shout out to Coach, starting with number five here, Coach Pat Koontz. Uh, number four, Coach Zach Wilkerson. Number three, Coach Mark Soto. Number two, Coach Luke Carazola. And then number one, a big time number one, Coach Ty Gower 
for having our top five most viewed YouTube videos. I said uh, Coach Gower is a big time number one because uh, he is is by far uh, our number one most downloaded video. His video actually has over 1,800 views. So I don't know if Coach Gower's got a big family up there in Oklahoma that that check his stuff out and and um, you know get him a bunch of hits. But I also know that the dude knows football and he is a sought after voice when it comes to uh, talking defensive football. So that I'm sure has a lot to do with it as well. But anyway, uh, congratulations to those guys. And again, I could go on and talk about all of those guys because um, it's also it takes a lot of effort to put together something, you know, film cutups and slideshow presentations. Uh, and so I really appreciate them doing that. And, and I know that uh, I've learned a lot from each of those videos and uh, appreciate those guys as well. Okay, what well, has been a minute, early March to be exact, since we have had a Texas high school football coach on the podcast. It's hard to believe. Uh, but we're changing that today and getting back to our roots when we welcome on Rowlett High School defensive coordinator, uh, Coach Cody Gamble. Uh, before we talk with Coach Gamble today, I do want to tell you about our two podcast sponsors, beginning with our friends at Go Edit Graphics. Coaches, are you looking for a way to promote your athletes and athletic programs with professional looking graphics? Well, then Go Edit Graphics has got you covered. Go Edit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it your own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, just to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. Go Edit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Also, if you check out our Twitter feed today and see the, the, uh, the graphic that I posted with the link for today's podcast with Coach Gamble, uh, that entire graphic was created by me in just a few minutes using GoEdit. I picked a template and the picture I wanted to use, changed the colors and the text uh, to what I wanted the graphic to say and it look like, and in just a few minutes, I'm done. So the process is super easy. It's user-friendly. And like always, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes. GoEdit Graphics. Next up, well, it's summertime, which means you guys are probably going to be driving a lot to go on vacation, or you're going to be out in the yard doing some yard work, or your man in the grill. And if you're like me, you're going to be listening to music or a podcast or maybe an audio book or something like that. Well, you could also do what I do and head over to Our Coaching Network, create an account, and have access to quality live clinics going off every week, all of which are added to a library that can be accessed at any time, like on a long drive to the beach or while you're mowing the grass. So get on over there today, create your account now. Subscriptions are super affordable. You can even sign up for a free week and you can cancel at any time. So start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with our coaching network. All right, so as I already mentioned, we're talking today with uh, Rowlett High School defensive coordinator, Coach Cody Gamble. Uh, just tell you a little bit about him before we get started. Coach Gamble grew up in Allen, Texas. Uh, he played football and baseball for the Allen Eagles before going to Texas State to play baseball. Uh, he got his start in coaching at Byron Nelson High School, uh, where he coached corners from 2012 to 2014. And then from there, he went to Waco Midway to coach safeties for his dad, uh, Coach Terry Gamble, uh, from 2014 throughout, through 2016. Uh, in 2016, Coach Gamble's dad got the job at Allen, which meant Cody got to return home to Allen, where he uh, coached receivers and safeties uh, during his time there and also served as special teams coordinator for two seasons. Coach Gamble and the Eagles also won the 2017 6A Division I state championship over Lake Travis to 
to cap off a perfect 16-0 season. Coach Gamble left Allen after the 2020 season and was named the defensive coordinator at Rowlett in 2021. Today, Coach Gamble and I talk about what it was like growing up in Allen and also going back and coaching there. It was probably one of the most high-pressure places to play and coach uh, in the state of Texas. We also talk about being a coach's kid and coaching with his dad. Uh, and then we dive into talking some football and talk about how he has gone about installing a defense there at Rowlett and, and how he has tweaked what they do in order to best suit the needs uh, of his personnel. So a lot of great stuff to get to today with Coach Gamble. So let's dive in. Here is episode number 137, Coach Cody Gamble on Keep Your Pads Down. Coach Gamble, excited to be uh, talking to you today. Welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you having me. I look forward to uh, talking some ball today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as I already told these guys, uh, you're currently a defense coordinator there at Rowlett, not far from uh, actually from where you grew up. Uh, but you guys just just wrapped up your your school year and and also just kicked off your summer program, as a lot of us are kind of in the middle of or just just starting as well. Um, and we've we've talked kind of in previous conversations about this a little bit, but I want I want you to share be able to share with these guys. You know, at this point, you guys got there really late. I know you, you got the job late in the in the offseason uh, last year. And so now, at this point, how would you assess where you guys are as opposed to this time last year? What was that like coming in so late and trying to, you know, piece together a summer program and, and get to know your guys all at the same time? Yeah, um, so last year, um, by the time it was all said and done, when Coach Alford you know, got the job and then basically was able to get me hired and get me there. And then we were able to get staff, you know, hired on. It was basically late May. So we really didn't have an off season with the those kids at all. Um, and we didn't get to do spring ball because it was way too late. Um, and so it was really kind of a scramble mode of trying to, you know, put some things together on top of all that our school district was still heavy COVID protocol. So um, a lot of our kids weren't even on campus um, every single day. So it, there was a lot of things, um, I think that we all found out going through the COVID world um, that, that were different. And so you come in, you're a new staff, you know, the first thing you wanna to try to do is build relationships with kids. Um, and the best time to build relationships with kids is in the off season. Um, cause you can work on your character development. You can have, you know, personal conversations with those kids outside of the season. Um, or at least I feel like more personal conversations because it's more laid back. Um, and, and it just kind of opens that door up. Well, it's really tough when you're hitting the floor in May and you're trying to get to know kids, you're trying to install, uh, your systems. You're also trying to install what you want as a coach, the discipline, the work ethic, all that stuff. Um, you know, it was just really tough. Um, and so like we started off, uh, that whole summer, it, it felt like spring football. Um, it didn't feel like a normal summer. It was, it felt like just spring, um, and off season all mixed into one. And the next thing you know, we're in a, we're playing football, um, in August, you know, uh, it just went by so fast. Um, and so now, um, because our school district, we actually just got out of school last week. 
Um, and so today was our first day of summer. We doubled our attendance for the first day. Um, you know, we had a spring football. We actually had off season. Um, and so our kids know the expectations of our program. They have a better idea of what we're trying to do philosophy-wise, scheme-wise. And so, like today, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of teaching from the standpoint of this is where you go uh, for, for warm-ups in the weight room. Um, this is where we expect you to get to uh, to report to the locker room. All that stuff you don't have to cover. You know, you're able to just go in and, and start working. Um, and so that was really nice. Um, and, and really and truly like knowing the kids is, is, is even better. Um, I don't go out there feel like I'm like, Hey, you, you know, I'm able to actually call them by name, um, instead of trying to learn names and coach at the same time, which, uh, can be a difficult process. But after a full year, looking back on it, um, you know, I've learned a lot from that experience. Uh, if I had to redo it, there's a lot of things I wouldn't do again. There's a lot of things I would do differently. Um, so it was a great growing experience, a great learning experience, um, but it definitely was difficult. Well, give me uh, one thing looking back that you would have done differently and one thing that you're glad that you did when, you know, when you're getting there. And to me, it's like, you know, there's so much stuff to be done. It's almost like you're walking up on a house that's just been flattened by a tornado and like, all right, where do we even start rebuilding this thing? You know, because there's so much to be done you just kind of start picking stuff up and, you know, whatever. Um, so I can just imagine like your mind's probably going a million places. We need to do this, 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 I need to install this. And you kind of just have to boil it down to, I guess, what the most important things are, but what's one thing you regret doing and one thing you're glad that you did. I think the biggest thing I regret doing was trying to get everything installed. And what I mean by everything installed was um, kind of like you just hit on, like I felt um, pressure that that time was running out because I knew how important having off-season meeting time, having that skills before spring football, all that stuff, how important it was. And, and I felt like the clock, you know, because these kids, these kids expected to have a great season, you know, and they didn't expect a new coaching staff, especially if they were seniors, for that to change. And so I felt a, a, a sense of urgency for those kids um, to really just get everything installed. And if I had to do it all over again, you know, I would start, you know, basically just going like you do when we start skills. Um, you know, I'd probably start the first two weeks of just going back to fundamentals and teaching that first before I really started diving into uh, scheme stuff. Um, you know, and as I learned through that, that I learned, you know, as you teach the skills, you can actually dummy down. You know, for example, in our in our system, you know, our defensive ends, uh, a five technique and a seven technique. They play different different things, um, but they know what to do when they're a five versus a seven. And so I think teaching them those things um, a little bit slower instead of trying to speed through it, um, I'd, I'd redo it. Um, and if I had to do it over again, one thing I would do differently um, is, is literally just get on the chalkboard with them, not necessarily always just being outside every single day. I think you know, we get in the, the, the idea of the summer strength and conditioning that everything every single day has to be done outside whenever we get that time. And a lot of times, you know, it's okay to stop and slow everything down um, and teach just like in a classroom. You know, a classroom is the exact same thing. You're not going to go in and do the same thing over and over again. You got to change it up because you got different learning styles uh, and different ways that people uh, do things. 
What's one thing that you're glad you did? Because I think all of us can relate to trying to put in too much. You know, that's just, you know, everybody can relate to that. What's one thing you're glad that you did? I, I'm i glad of the, you know, I really went in. I have high expectations for us as a defense about, you know, just, just playing hard. Um, and actually, you know, I every year, and honestly, our kids, I've probably shown them, I've got this cut up. Um, we Just like everybody else, we talk about loaves. We don't want loaves. Um, we grade loaves, um, all that good stuff. But um, I've, I've made this cut up, um, and we define what a loaf is. But I made this cut up, and I, and I showed them different clips of, of what it looks like to really play hard. Um, it's got college clips of players. It's got NFL clips. Um, but I show them what it looks like because I feel like if you can show those kids what you're really looking for, they've got a better idea of what not to do. And so I set those expectations for those kids like really early on, like, no, we are going to play hard. I don't, I don't care if you don't know the scheme, but we're going to play hard. Um, and I overemphasized it. Um, we do different pursuit drills to, to really to, to crown it in. But, but I really think that cut up that I show those kids and I showed it to them, um, you know, like really early in the summer when I first got here, showed it to them again before the season. I haven't pulled it back out in the middle of the season last year. I've showed it to them already this offseason like three more times. And then as I've got clips of them, I've added clips of them, whether it's good or bad. And because, you know, you are what you are when you put it on tape. You know, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. And so, um, you know, I just really put it on our staff of, hey, I don't care what these kids do. You know, if, if we go from a drill, I want it to be like a play, a football play. So we break it out, you know, um, I'm, I'm sending my group to you, then, then we're breaking it out, and that's a football play. We are sprinting to the next drill because that's, that's how football's played. You know, you, you, you may get three to five seconds, that's the play, and then you got to get on to the next one. Well, that's all stuff that we're going we're gonna to circle back around and talk, to, talk about here in a second. But before we get too far – into this, I do want to talk a little bit about your background. Um, for, for guys who don't know, you are from a coaching family. Your dad just recently wrapped up a, a very successful coaching career uh, and retired after the 2020 season. Is that right? For, from Allen? Uh, yeah, the 2021. Yeah, 2020. Okay. Yeah, it would be the 2020 season. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, you also, you, know, you grew up, as I already mentioned, you grew up and played uh, at Allen uh, High School, and even guys outside of the state of Texas have probably heard of, of Allen. You know, obviously, um, you know, a lot of great players have come through there over the years um, with, you know, the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals being one um, that, that that probably comes to mind, you know, for, for most people. Um, but I just got to I, I got to imagine that, you know, your dad being a coach and you're growing up in Allen that that's, that's gotta be you know, like the perfect recipe for a kid wanting to become a coach. Yeah. Um, you know, I was very, very fortunate to be one of the lucky kids that, um, grows up in a, in a coach's family. Uh, so I grew up in locker rooms and, um, my dad, you know, he, he was a great role model for me and honestly was the whole reason I got into coaching because, um, you know, watching him do what he did on a daily basis, um, it was really easy to fall in love with, you know, I, 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 when I was six years old, I knew I was going to be a coach. Like that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I've always had it set in my mind that I wanted to do. Um, my mom actually, um, was a gymnast, um, and she actually coached some as well. So like I was surrounded by coaches. Um, but 
Uh, I was fortunate enough, my dad, um, Joe Martin, when he got the job in 2001, um, he came with him and he was defensive coordinator. Um, and up until then, I'd actually lived in Garland. So I was a little bit different uh, coach's kid. I never had to like move around like a bunch of people because my mom owned her own business. My dad did all the driving. He drove from Garland to Forney to South Lake to Duncanville. Like he did all the driving. So it was a little bit different for me. Um, and, and so um, I grew up at Garland. He gets the Allen job and he says, hey, you know, this place is really it, – it's going to be special. I really think it's going to be special. I think we should move there um, as a family. And so we all kind of were like, okay, let's do it. So when I was a seventh grader, I got into the Allen system. And when I got there, Allen is not like it was now, you know, the, the, the beast that it is now. But, like, I fell in love with that place um, immediately. Um, it is, you know, as large as it is, large school in the state of Texas, it still feels like you're in a small town. It really does. Um, and if, if you're there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, I didn't get to play in the, the big-time stadium and all that stuff, and the expectations weren't as high as they are now. Uh, but the expectations even back then were to win a state championship. Um, from the time I was a seventh grader, you know, you, you talked about winning a state championship. Um, and so that thing uh, was just kind of like molded and, and it's grown into what it is. But, you know, the expectations were, you know, state. I mean, even before we won a state championship, okay, they were a state. Uh, that's what we were going to do. Sorry, my daughter. <laughs> She's in the background. A very good chance that one of my kids will run through here in a second, too. So we'll just roll with it. Yeah. yeah. But. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I've never felt like, you know, doing anything without high expectations was not worth doing, you know, like when the expectations are high, you know, that's usually when you rise to be your very best. Um, and as a player, you know, when I was in that environment, like, you know, you, you rose up and you played your best as a coach, you, you don't want to let that community down. And so you, you show up every day with the expectations that I've got to do my job and, and because that's the expectations that people are, are putting in front of me. So when people um, who've never, you know, been to Allen or never coached there or never coached at a school that's, that's close to that size, um, I, I, think, I think they're always tough on Allen because they're like, yeah, they should win. They got all those kids, right? Like they can just go. And, yeah. and, and so that's sort of the – um, I guess the the conception or the misconception there is that that you guys just got, you know, um, your pick of kids or 6000 students walking the halls. So um, it should be state championship every year. Um, and and there's there, there is some truth to that, meaning that you do have a lot of kids, you got a lot of kids to choose from. But there's a lot of unique challenges, I'm sure, that go into coaching at a place like that. So for those of us who have never been at Allen or at a school like that, what are some unique challenges that come to coaching at a place like that? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, there are major advantages to having that many kids. Um, and I'll never be the, you know, say that that's not an advantage, but there's things that you don't think about, you know, for example, whenever you're doing it, you've got your position group and you're setting up a drill. Well, you know, normally, you know, you may have, 10 kids that you're dealing with. Well, now you're talking about 15 to 20 kids, uh, depending on which level you're coaching at too. You know, our JV staff, uh, which we had uh, basically six guys that, that ran our JV team. Well, we had 
two JV teams with, you know, 200 kids. Well, those JV coaches, you know, they've got to think through everything where how do I get all of these kids reps, you know, and, and multiple reps, not just one rep and we're good, you know? Um, so like you always talk about that, like, how can I get these kids the most reps? Well, now do it in mass numbers. And, you know, do you have enough field space to do those certain drills? So you're always having to get creative with how you do drills, how you set it up to where those kids, because you, even though we have a lot of kids, just like you said, they're not all going to go play division one football. Some of them aren't going to play college football at all. And they're fine with that. But how do you, how do you make sure that those kids have the greatest high school experience that they ever had, you know, as far as, you know, they, they want to be coached and they want to be coached hard. Um, and that was kind of always uh, the thing that my dad talked about. You know, um, one thing I took from him was, you know, that position group is it, you're the head coach of that position group. So however you would run a program, you run your position group like that. So when you start thinking about that, you start thinking about, OK, these are my kids. OK, like like how would I want my kid to be treated if they went through my program? And so, you know, um, you kind of have to think about things like that that are kind of different. Um, you know, and the crazy part is, um, because we have a varsity, a JV and a freshman staff, um, I'll be honest, like, there's a lot of kids that like, I just don't know them. I mean, you really don't smaller schools. You probably know every kid in the program, um, off season rolls around and I get our batch of JV kids that are, uh, in our off season program because our, uh, JV and freshman guys, they, they're usually coaching baseball, softball, other sports like that. Well, I get those kids, and now I'm basically got 30, 40 kids that I've got to be invested in and know, you know, what their grades are, you know, get their phone numbers, contacts, information, their parents, all that stuff. Yeah, like, you look up, and you're like, well, I'm running a little small, you know, 1A, 2A school with my little position group. Um, and so you kind of just start running it like you're the head coach of your own little school. Um, and so that's kind of the unique perspective of it all. Yeah, that's interesting. You talk about having to be creative with your individual drills, because usually when I hear that, it's guys on the other end of the spectrum where they're at a school where, you know, the coach is the running back, which I, I mean, even for a school and I'm still sometimes have to be a part of the drill or jump in on a on a scout look and just be a, you know, be a guard or something. Um, but I, I hadn't I'd never thought about it the other way where there's so many guys you know, you can't have them standing around, you know, there's no, there's no drill. You can't do these drills where it's just one guy going. And, you know, you, so I, I would imagine it just takes a, a different type of creativity where you can get, be as efficient as possible. And I would think I, I, that would be what I think one thing, an advantage of it. It's kind of like you said, is like you get experience running almost like a little team that you talked about. And all right, how can I be as efficient as possible with this many guys and get this many guys reps and, and, and looks uh, where they feel like they're getting better and I can evaluate everybody. Yeah, it's, you know, that's the probably the hardest part um, is making sure that every kid gets, gets an equal opportunity. Um, you know, as coaches, you know, um, we obviously, once we get in the season, you know, our, our, our ones are our dudes, you know, we try to get them, you know, the most reps or whatever, um, or at least, you know, that's, kind of how we've done things well then we still get our twos and our threes reps even in season because you just don't know 
Um, when I was at when I was at Midway, um, we had three outside linebackers um, go out in the first two games, and we were going to our three and four even at Midway. Um, and back then, before we got to Allen, our philosophy was how can we get as many kids, as many reps as possible during the week, um, because you just don't know. Um, and I know it's an old saying or whatever, but you really don't know when your number may be called. Um, going back to Allen, you know, like um, when my brother played there the first year they won the state championship, the backup quarterback, um, he doesn't play much the entire season. And then the starting quarterback breaks his collarbone in like the first or second round of playoffs. And then he's thrown into the fire. Well, their philosophy was to always get those backups and everybody ready to go. So that kid steps in and he's ready to roll because he's already been trained in practice um, and he's ready to go. Well, so you talked about, you've mentioned your dad a little bit and, and getting a coach with him. And that's a really cool uh, experience that not many guys get to uh, get to have. So what was it like coaching with your dad? Um, and what were some things you picked up from him? You know, obviously there's some things you pick up, a son picks up from his dad, but just as a coach, like now you're a coach working for him. What were some things you picked up from him? Yeah, attention to detail. Um, anybody that's worked for him will will flat out tell you that uh, you know it, it's not easy. I'm not. I'm his son, and I'll be the first one to tell you. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't easy to work for him because um, he puts a lot of expectations on his coaches, um, and he expects you to know every little detail about your position. He knows, and he expects you to 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 love what you're doing with those kids and, and know those kids. Um, and so, um, you know, we'll go into meetings and, you know, he's going to ask questions and you better have your answers ready to go. Um, and the questions could be anything The questions could be, you know, did you call their parents? And if the answer was no, then you better have an answer of why. And so it made you, um, it was tough, but at the end of the day, you became a really good coach. Um, and I've taken that. And now, you know, every T and I is, it, you know, every T's crossed and every I is dotted um, before I, I finish uh, a game plan or whatever it may be, you know, and, and just the, the expectations, it doesn't matter if you're trying to win a state championship or not, you know, the kids expect you to go out there and do your job and give them everything that, that, you they would expect from from themselves right so you know that's the thing that i took from him um it was very special um like i said um those memories you know seven years of coaching with him i'll never get those back um but it's something i'll always have uh to share with my kids and um you know it, it'll be special moments have you been able to convince them to maybe come back and work like in a uh, analyst role for you, or at least maybe on Friday nights, get in the press box and get a headset? So that's what's he actually came to every single game of mine last year um, and somehow always managed to find himself on the field. Um, and I really thought he was going to always um, at halftime come down there with like a notepad of stuff that I was doing wrong or needed to get fixed or things that he was seeing and he was actually really good um and there was times where I actually when he was at the game I'd reach out to him and I'm like hey what are you seeing you know like is there something that I'm not seeing and to double check and um he definitely he still has the itch I don't think you ever lose that itch um and you know uh but 
I've told him too. I'm like, Hey, you know, if you want to come back, we can reverse this role. You know, you can work for me now. And, and he's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And, and uh, I can imagine, you know, when, when you're, you've been doing it that long and now you're on the sideline and it's your son. And I, I just, I, I can, I'm sure that's tough to, to stay quiet. Um, well, I want to go back to kind of the beginning of our conversation, talking about being at Rowlett now. Um, and uh, you you get there, uh, we, like we talked about last spring, and you're trying to, to fit all this stuff in. But, you know, walk us through first what your identity is as a defensive coordinator. You know, every coach kind of has sort of some things that they, they like to do or they want to do. They have their own system that they've picked up over the years. And so talk to us about that and, um, you know, how that that mentality or that identity has, you know, was shaped over the years, you know, the different stops that you made. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, it's kind of weird. I'm not like a, you know, like I'm not a four man guy, three man guy, you know, I'm kind of like, what is the best thing we can do for our kids? What, what fits our personnel the best? Um, and I kind of learned that when I was at Midway, um, we were a three, four, um, basically lived and died by the three, four. Um, and then it was, um, my last year there, uh, we lost, I kind of already talked about it, but we lost three outside linebackers in the first two games and we didn't have the personnel to continue to be in a three man front. So we immediately, this is in season practice, spring, three man front, all that good stuff. We flipped to a four, three, um, spent Saturday and Sunday making sure, you know, and obviously it wasn't, um, to, to an extent that it could be, but um, talking about keeping the terminology the same and all that. And so I had experience from that flip and I learned right then, like, you better do what's best for your players. You better not do, better not be hard headed and sit there and say, well, I'm a three, four guy. Well, that's fine. But if you don't have three, four personnel, then is that really giving your kids the best opportunity to be, be successful? Um, and so then um, got to Allen and uh, we were a four man front. Um, and then just kind of like started, uh, it was actually during COVID listening to Tony Salazar talk, um, about their four, two, five and kind of fell in love with a lot of stuff that they do. Um, and had a buddy that was on staff that always told me that, you know, you need to look into this stuff that they're doing. Um, and, and really kind of dove into to his stuff, talked to coach Salazar, um, and kind of developed my personal philosophy kind of from that plus, um, stuff we had done at Allen plus stuff we had done at Midway and kind of formed into kind of what we're doing now at Rowlett. Um, and so um, I was always going to, to be a too high guy. Um, I, I'm a back end guy at heart. Um, I, and I just believe in, in playing with, with two high safeties, uh, you know, on top. Um, and so that kind of has always stayed the same. Um, but the, the front seven, you know, um, and we even actually get in a three-man front um, at times uh, at Rowlett um, because I just believe in staying multiple. Um, I think that this whole idea that the offense always gets the chalk last is not always true. <laughs> so that's just my philosophy. So when you got to to Rowlett, you talked about you know you guys are four two five, but you you, you know you're you. Uh, do a variation at least of what they do at, at Austin Westlake with, with coach Salazar, where they're multiple. And I know they're, they're, they're dropping a, a Mike linebacker down or they're, or they're bringing him back and, and doing the Tampa stuff. Uh, we actually had, I had him on a little over a year ago and, and, and it was really 
interesting talking with him and um, uh, just a super, uh, obviously super sharp coach and, and um, a lot of great stuff that they have going on. So when you get there, how do you kind of, as you're looking at your, at your, at your personnel, how do you decide, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then now you've talked about how you are starting to get a little more multiple now that you have a year under your belt. Like what's, what, what have you seen or what have you noticed to make you say, okay, now we're going to try to add in some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly the kids just understanding the system, you know, going back to what you were talking about when, when I got there in May, I kind of learned real quick, like you bet, you know, what can we get really good at? And then the kids have like, have really started to understand the base scheme. And then you can just evolve off of what you're trying to do. Um, so like, you know, the pieces that we've added, they're not necessarily exotic. Um, it's just adding another extension to what we do from a base standpoint. Um, and then the, the, the players that we have, their ability allows us to get more multiple. So we can jump in that three-man front without changing personnel just like an offense, you know, those H-back sniffers, you know, it makes it really tough when they're able uh, to, to get in 10 personnel and then they sneak them in and they're 11 personnel or they put him in and, you know, as a tight end. Um, and that was kind of my um, thought process of it is how can I make us uh, difficult for the offense alignment? Um, I was fortunate enough to spend four years at Allen coaching on the offensive side of the ball as well. And one of the things I picked up coaching on that side of the ball was, the, the, the more you can manipulate that front and make it tough on the offensive lineman when they make their calls, it's a lot harder. And you don't have to get exotic with it. Um, you know, you can literally get in a bare front and start dropping people, and it really confuses and fuzzes up their rules a lot of times. Um, and it's just stuff like that, that that we're able to start doing now. And the kids enjoy it because um, they understand our base stuff, so we can always go back to that. And so, like, this spring, we were able to do a lot more and, and try things to see if it works. Um, that's the other beauty of spring football when you have it is to find out, all right, what – can we do this or can we not do this, you know? And if it doesn't work, awesome. But at least we had the opportunity to try it and see what we can handle or not. Yeah, and I think that they, they maybe – and I, I know you would, would agree with this, is that, you know, you have your base, you have your foundation stuff. And then once you get that down, you can start putting some wrinkles in because I think where guys get in trouble is, is they call defenses, not a defense. You know, they're like a flavor of the week. We're going to do this. And it's, there's no rhyme or reason for it. But once you get that base down, now we can't, yeah, we can't drop a guy back or we can walk somebody up on the line or we can show a bear look and bail some guys out. And that's when, you know, when you get that in, that then that's that's when the, the fun really starts, you know, because now it's like, okay, they want to do this or we can do this. And I would think that, um, and you can tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong on this, but you know, last year you probably had to stick with a lot of your base stuff because it's it's brand new. You know, I know we we both coached with uh Clint Fuller, uh, and he would talk about, you know, he because he came to to Pleasant Grove late. Uh it was late in the summer, I think. And so uh, and his defense is pretty complex. I know you guys ran that at, at Byron Nelson. And so he had to be really vanilla that first year. And so when I got there, it was the second year. And we were able to do a lot more stuff uh, those next two years just because the kids had um, had kind of that, that foundation there. And so I think that's that's probably how you have to approach it, right? Like have your base, have your thing that you're going to hang your hat on. And then within that, you can be multiple within that structure. Yeah. And I think anybody – and 
and this was my first year as a true, you know, where I'm calling it, you know, um, calling the defense. And, and that's the one thing that I learned really quickly is what are you going to go to when, when stuff doesn't go as you had planned? You know, when you game plan, yeah, you've got game plan one, and then you talk about what is. But then even then, like, you know, what is it that you can sit there and your kids know, all right, I call this, we know how to play this. We can close our eyes and we can play this. Because at the end of the day, like, they have to have something that, that they know and they don't have to think. Because that's – when we're playing good, I think we can all agree on this. When, when our kids are playing good, they're not thinking. You know, they just get up there, they react, and they play fast. When they're out there and they have to think a whole lot, well, that's a lot of us on coaches. We start putting on too much. Um, and that's that's the one thing I learned really quick um, with, like, you know, that short time is is if you put on too much um, to the point where, the, where they're not sure if they're doing the right thing, then what good is that, you know? I, I'd rather go in with a handful of calls and know that, my kids can execute these calls and then let the chips fall how they may. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's when our kids play the best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, shifting gears here a little bit. So, um, you know, you mentioned this is kind of, you know, this is your first time where you're, you're the dude calling the shots, like you're making the plans. And so uh, just curious when you get there and you get, you, you, you get through last summer and now you're in season, how do you, how did you structure your practices in season uh, you know, what, uh, what do your team periods look like? Um, and well, let's just talk there I'll, I'll, before I ask anything else, how do you structure your practices? And then what do your team periods look like? Everyone kind of has their own way of doing that. Um, whether they're running two huddles or they're, you know, moving the ball or keeping it static. How, how do you handle that? Yeah. I mean, we've, and honestly, we're still kind of playing with it and trying to figure out, you know, what's best for the kids, honestly. Um, last year, we did uh, – when we got to our team segments, we actually did two huddles. Uh, we would use our JV offense as one huddle and then obviously had the self-service for ourselves. Um, and then that self-service huddle, um, I basically made that um, – the kids didn't know it, but, like, in the you know, on the cards, it was basically all passes or RPOs where the ball was getting out um, because really and truly you're not going to get a good run look anyways. And then the JV huddle had the run schemes that we were really looking at because they were going to give us a better look from the run standpoint. And our philosophy, and I kind of got this uh, from Midway and Allen because we always did two huddles, was get get them in and out as fast as you possibly can. Keep the huddles on the hash that they're going to go to. Um, we don't necessarily move the ball. The ball's on the five-yard line going out. Um, but go as fast as you can. Um, and so the idea was to try to get, you know, eight plays in a segment, and then the twos would go. Um, if those got, got through, then we would go back to the ones. It might be a different call. Um, but um, basically the same place. So they're seeing it again. Um, and then obviously we're just like everybody else, you know, Mondays are your base days, you know, Tuesdays, you're admin, um, some other stuff and some situations and, and whatnot. We've actually messed around with, um, what we call no sweat Wednesdays. Um, so that's actually our walkthrough day. Um, and so you're actually able to slow some stuff down and then we would go back out on Thursdays for roughly about 10 periods. Um, but, but that whole day is mainly situations. So it's a lot of team segments. Um, it's not necessarily fast pace, um, but you're getting a lot of different team looks, um, which I've really loved um, for different reasons. One, the kids seem a lot fresher with their legs. And then me as a coach, I, I felt like a lot, I felt a lot fresher um, and, and really 
believe in, in that no sweat Wednesday philosophy. Yeah, we were able to do that my first year uh, here at PG in 19. Just the way that our day was structured, we're actually switching things up for this next year. But Wednesdays, were, we brought them in before school and practice before school. And that was awesome because uh, it was, it was kind of lighter. Um, and and um, we, we never practiced full pads. Uh, we're, we're shorts and girdles and, and shoulder pads. But um, we're, we were able to kind of – we kind of had that same philosophy, slow it down a little bit Wednesday, polish it up. And then Thursday we ramp it back up and it just kind of gave everyone a shot in the arm middle in the middle of the week, especially when you get kind of the dog days of the season, people kind of look forward to Wednesday. It was, it, it was kind of like, all right, you know, and everybody, you got to, got to out us a little bit early. And, and uh, it was, it was nice to be able to do that. And so I, I do like that and really, really enjoyed the way we had that set up that first year. So you talked about, uh, you know, I asked you like, what were some things you guys were really good at this past year? Uh, in 2021, you talked about getting takeaways. And I know you said, you know, there's really, there was nothing secret about what we did. It was just kind of, you know, you got lucky. And that that is true. I mean, you, there is some luck involved when it comes to getting turnovers. But what do you guys do during the week? And, and you know, where, how do you integrate that into practice, the emphasizing of, of taking the ball away? Yeah, um, you know, like I said, it's not anything really just over the top special. We overemphasize getting to the football. Um, I talked about that cut up that I show um, that I show the kids. Well, one of the, cu- the clips, um, it's it's a pro game and it's actually uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and on the clip, uh, four players for the Falcons, they're playing defense. They 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 touch the ball. Um, basically, one of them causes the fumble. Um, the ball's about to like go out of bounds, and the kid grabs it and throws it over his shoulder. And, and you know, there's two other players running to the football. And so I show them that, and, I, and I, we just overemphasize good things happen when you get to the football. Um, we overemphasize, you know, tackling, um, and it's just kind of weird. I've never talked about, you know, hey, when we tackle, I want you to go in there and I want you to punch the football or anything like that because I feel like if you get to the football and you make a great, great tackle with your, you know, your helmet on the ball, there's a higher probability of the ball coming out than – you know, you going up, tackling with one arm, you miss the tackle because you're trying to strip the ball. I just – I get really scared about a kid trying to, to, to think more about, all right, trying to get the ball out because really and truly you got you got to tackle first. Um, and so we just really overemphasize. We have a goal board in our team meeting room. It says two-plus turnovers. Um, and so every week the kids know, like, we're trying to force two-plus turnovers. Um, and so, you know, we were fortunate enough to have seven games last year where we did that. Um, and, and, and it does. I mean, uh, there is a if anybody tells you that the luck isn't, you know, you're you're lying, because if I grabbed the football right now and I just grabbed it and I, I threw it on the ground. You can't tell me which way that ball's going to bounce. And so sometimes that ball just bounces the right way. And then, then other times, you know, it doesn't. Um, and and, that, and that's the honest truth. But I think talking about it with your kids, if you don't ever talk about it with your kids, then then they don't understand the importance of turnovers. Um, we talk about it offensively, that we don't want to turn the ball over, and we talk about it defensively. Um, and, and, Alan, we actually had a, uh, a turnover plus minus chart that we would tally throughout the year. So our kids knew where we were plus minus throughout the year, um, whether we were plus on the turnover or the minus. And I really think that, overemphasizes that to the entire team because everybody knows, all right, if I'm on offense, my job is to protect the football because 
that's the most important thing. If I'm on defense, our job is to try to get that ball back. Do y'all do any um, circuits or anything like that? Uh, tackling circuits, turnover circuits, anything like that during during the week? Yeah, we do tackling circuits. We uh, county ferret um, a lot of times. Um, there's a lot of times where we'll do the vice drill and we'll have one guy go in and, and try to rip it out. Um, but um, we also do a hoop drill where we have a basically a pass rusher because a lot of times any of the kids can tend, uh, turn into pass rushers. One of them swats the ball out of the quarterback's hand if you drop him back to pass. The other one's scooping and scoring, or another one's looking to jump straight up um, to, to make sure um, that he can swat the ball down instead of trying to teach him to jump into the quarterback. And then obviously you get the, the you know, the wonderful penalties that they're always going to call on us defensively. Um, but those are just little things that we do. Um, but um, I don't think we do anything out of the ordinary that nobody else hasn't done um, or isn't doing, I should say. Yeah, but it's like anything else. Um, you know, I, I remember when I was in college, actually, one year, we, we kind of stopped. I think we had some guys get injured or whatever. And for some reason, we stopped working tackling as much. Um, and consequently, we sucked at tackling, you know. And it was one of those things the coaches kind of realized they'd messed up and we got back to where we were tackling a lot. Um, but, you know, that's one of those things. If you're not emphasizing it, you're not working it, you're not going to be good at it. So um, if, it's, if it's not a part of your practice plan, if not daily, weekly, then, then that's, you know, it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be a skill that you guys are. Uh, you're not going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities when they present themselves. Um, you talked about how in the past have been a back end guy, but I know you coached linebackers this past year and, and, and you, we talked uh, earlier that you're now going to be able to bump back and, and, and go back to safeties. But what did you learn um, from coaching linebackers this past season that kind of helped you grow as a coach and maybe see your defense from a different perspective? Yeah, it was a, honestly, it was a great experience. Um, and it made me really, you know, kind of um, hone into different things that I never really even thought of um, defensively um, from that linebacker, especially the Mike linebackers perspective and just, for example, the, the linebackers, in my opinion, they have to think more than any other position defensively on the field. Because um, when you're talking about it, they got a run responsibility and they have a pass responsibility. Well, you know, besides the safeties and corners every once in a while, depending on what you're running, you know, they may have a run responsibility. But for the most part, they're, they're pass responsibility first. Defense alignment, once they get their reads, you know, they can think and use their technique. Those, those linebackers, if their eyes are wrong, um, then they're going to be wrong. And, and a lot of times when they're wrong, it, it really just makes the whole thing go, you know, haywire. Um, and so I really learned that those linebackers, you know, if, if they're not coached up and, and they're not honed into to their keys and they don't know their assignment, you know, it can really uh, cause some issues for your players out there. Um, and I think that Mike linebacker is probably one of the most important spots out there just because of how many calls they got to make, you know, you expect a lot of them to, to, to get people lined up. Um, and, and I've heard you talk about it and I totally agree with it. You know, at the end of the day, it's all, it's all 11 players responsibility to get the calls, get lined up and everything like that. Uh, but it, it's just like a quarterback, you know, you expect the quarterback to know what everybody's doing, you know, in our system, we expect that Mike linebacker to kind of, to know the whole deal. Um, and, and I just kind of learned, you know, that's a lot on a 15, 16 year old kid um to to try to know all that um and especially when he's having to go to school he may have to be working a job 
he's not putting in the time like I'm doing um, where, you know, I, I can watch puddle for, you know, five hours because that's all, you know, I'm invested in besides obviously taking care of my kids and all that fun stuff. But, you know, those kids don't look at it like, like we do. Um, and so, you know, making their job easier and finding ways to make their job easier is probably the, the biggest lesson that I learned. If you, if you can make those linebackers jobs easier, um, whatever it is, then do it because it's going to end up uh, being big for the whole defense. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And that's, that's for me, and because we're sort of in the same situation where last year was my first time coaching linebackers after always coaching defensive line. And, and, and just out of necessity almost, I was like, hey, I got to make this as easy for them because, you know, I haven't been coaching this for decades or whatever. And so it's new to me also. But I think maybe more than any other position, those guys can't be indecisive, you know, because otherwise we got a guard that's in our lap immediately or uh, a slot who's, you know, running down the seam and they're pop. I mean, it's, 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 you got to, you got to be able to make decisions quick. And especially those linebackers, like they have to react. I always talk about it. It's like, you know, you walk outside and storm clouds are blowing in, the wind's picking up. It's raining. So like, you, you know, like a, a drop doesn't have to fall before you know it's raining. So it's the same thing with linebackers. Like you see a guard pull, you know, what's coming. You can't wait till it shows up. Like you got to just go trust it, you know? And, and I think that that's, that's a tough thing for linebackers got to be really instinctual and, and it's hard for them to be instinctual if, if they're paralyzed by all the stuff that they have to do. Well, okay. So I, you are a, a backend guy that's, you know, that's, that's kind of your home. So um, walk us through a few of your favorite coverages and, you know, when you call those and specific techniques, you know, that, that, that you, that you're coaching up with your secondary guys when you do call those. Yeah. Our home base is quarters. We're kind of um, our home base is basically split field. You know, we have a field side coverage, and then we got a boundary side coverage. Um, but they're both playing quarters. Um, you know, the biggest deal is from a safety's perspective. What we talk about all the time is not getting beat inside. Um, even we just really harp on all the time about making the, the a high school quarterback throw the ball to the sideline, or at least throw it outside. Um, we're fortunate enough we got a decent quarterback um, who's able to spin it out wide. But I've told our kids all the time, like, I will live with that, and I really will. If the quarterback is throwing it, you know, to the field by the numbers, I'll live with that because the, the percentages tell you that they're not going to complete those balls as often at the high school level. And so we tell our safeties all the time, you know, we've really overemphasized. We'll, we'll start base day one with their alignment. It doesn't matter if they're to the field or to the to the boundary. We'll go 10 by two. But then when they get really good at it, a lot of them, you'll look up and they'll be about four, four yards, five yards inside, especially to the field, because they know where their help's at. And they know where their help is not. Um, and so we just overemphasize uh, that part of it. And then the other thing is the quarters. I mean, the corners. We just really talk about taking away um, uh, deep balls, um, the the. Biggest way you can get in a jam in a hurry at, at the corner position. And the secondary, in my opinion, is 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 really tough because if a linebacker or D lineman screws up, you know, a lot of times in the stands, they got no idea. You know, they, they throw a bomb on a corner or safety. They know, you know, number 24, that was his job. And, you know, it's, it's a tough position. And I tell those kids all the time, you know, if you start eliminating, you know, offenses from throwing the deep ball, 
they'll get very frustrated. You know, um, there was one team last year that I've seen um, in the probably the past five years um, that literally sat there and said, okay, I'm going to beat you with five yard uh, passing routes. It was the first time I've ever seen it. And I was like, wow, you know, they, they kept me to my word of, well, I'll let you keep throwing that. Um, but offenses don't want to do that because their kids get frustrated. The offensive kids want to run post routes. They want to run go routes. Like they, they don't want to run stop routes. They don't want to run little, little drags, you know, but they want to run deep. And, and that's what the, the, the passing game, in my opinion, has turned to. So we, we work hard about, to, uh, about that with, uh, with those kids. Yeah, you kind of already you alluded to it, but I think the biggest thing, and this is just what I picked up in, in coaching the, the the coverage aspect of it is, is that guys just you just have to know where your help is, and when you know where your help is, you're able to play a lot more confidently and and more strategically, and, and you know, like I said, with your you can you can mess with your alignments because you know, like all right, I got help, you know, for a linebacker, I got help outside and and deep, so I better make sure I take away the inside, or vice versa, if I'm, you know, whatever our coverage is, if I'm trying to funnel stuff to the middle now. Um, I know I can't get beat outside. Anyway, it's just it makes it so much easier than just shout out, hey, you know, go cover that guy or whatever effect. You know, sometimes they can get caught and and thinking that way. And it's it's sort of like um, like we like you talk about with linebackers, just taking it away, taking some stuff away where they don't have to think as much and giving them a better chance of being successful. Well, all right. I don't uh, you know. I, I got kids at the house. You got kids at the house. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I do want to, uh, before we get you out of here, um, shoot some uh, rapid fire questions at you. And, uh, and so we'll get started with that. Is that, is that cool? That sounds good. Let's All do right. it. Okay. So you're a DFW kid born and raised. Um, and we were uh, actually just there um, a couple weeks ago in the, well, I won't say where I was, but cause I, I want to see what you, what you say to this, but, your, the best barbecue place to you in DFW is? I For me, it's going to be Hutchins in McKinney. Okay. That's exactly what I was about to say. That's where yeah. we were. Okay. Yeah. And it's just because I'm from this area. There's not, you know, I mean, there's a couple good barbecue places around here, but there's not many. Um, or, you know, what I think you and Clint would call, you know, <laughs> big time barbecue places. Uh, but Hutchins is definitely one that I, I, I eat it, um, you know, whenever I get a chance. To. Yeah. Oh, and I'm not Clint, it, Clint Fuller, or the, he is a barbecue snob. And yeah. uh, um, I, I wouldn't say that I am. I mean, you know, I, but I guess I know good barbecue when I, when I have it. And we went, like I said, we went there a few weeks ago and it was unbelievable. Um, everything, everything was good that, that I got. And, um, and, and so, uh, yeah, I would agree with you on that. So, um, okay. Next up, um, are, uh, is the, is the college world series field officially set or is there are still one, one or two more games to be played there's, tonight? There's a couple games today. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause Stanford and, 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 uh, Connecticut got to play another game. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's set maybe for two teams, except for two teams or something like that. There's a couple like in there. Yeah. All right. Well, you're a, a a former college baseball player. Your uh your your Bobcats um came up just short. You know, they were they were they were close to hosting a super regional like we were talking about earlier. Uh but looking at the field, who is your, you know, you can give us a couple teams that you think have a chance of of winning it all in the college world series. Yeah, it's I mean, it's crazy. College baseball is is if you want to call it the big three sports, it's probably the the one 
the only one left of, especially in college athletics, where it's up to literally anyone because um, Tennessee just got beat. Well, the one seed has not won the whole thing since 1999, which is wild because, you know, college football and, and basketball, you can't say that. Um, but to me, it's like getting hot at the right time. In that sport, it really is. Um, Notre Dame right now, for them to knock off Tennessee, they obviously are going to go in as probably the favorite after not getting one of the top 16 seeds. Um, I think I think they've got a great opportunity. Um, and then Ole Miss is playing really well. They were a top favorite preseason, as well as uh, Arkansas. Arkansas is playing really well. I think those three teams are ones you got to watch out for. But literally, anything can happen in Omaha. I mean, it's it's. I've been there twice at the old stadium, Rosenblatt. It's probably it's a it's. If you can ever get a chance to go when it's actually playing, it's it's a really neat environment. Um, you don't have to necessarily go to watch a certain team. Um, it's just it's a really cool environment. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the uh, just with with baseball being the way that it is because um, you know it's a sport that that maybe the best team doesn't always win or the most talented team. It's just kind of a you know um, a, a, a a bad break here, a bad break there, whatever. Um, and you talked about Ole Miss. Yeah, um, I, they're they're kind of a, uh, um, I guess, a secondary team of, of ours at our house. My wife went to grad school at Ole Miss, so um, we got to go to a lot of uh, Ole Miss games when we were, we were in Oxford. Um, but, yeah, I think they had a losing record in the SEC, like, sometime, like in April. And then they went on a tear or something and, and, and get in. And, and uh, of course, Arkansas is always good um, and, and, you know, you got to figure they're going to be there in the mix at some point. Well, okay. So also we have, um, we have father's day coming up this weekend. Uh, you have a couple daughters. Uh, I have a few kids. Um, if, if, and I think you are going to be on the road traveling or maybe you'll be back. I'm not sure, but if you could just have like a day to do what you want to do on father's day, what would that look like? Yeah. The easiest thing is I'm going to play golf. I mean, that's, that's up there. Um, I don't hunt. I don't fish. I play golf. Um, I'm not, I'm not good, good at it per se. Um, but it's my getaway. Um, uh, I just, I don't know. It's, I think it's still the athlete in me. Like it's, it's a way for me to get out there and compete. Um, I don't necessarily, you're not competing against anybody else, but I'm competing against trying to beat my score from the previous time I played. Um, definitely going to go play golf. Um, I'm actually going to Florida here in a little bit. And I love, you know, being in a pool or beach or something like that. Um, and then also I, I do just love enjoy and spend it. I've got two little daughters and two little girls. I'm a girl dad. Um, I love spending time with them um, and, and just being around them. We watch tons of movies together. Like that's my deal. Um, I got them on Sonic the Hedgehog right now. I just because I can, withstand Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, some We went through the Frozen phase. We went through the Encanto stage. We've gone through them all. And I'm always looking for the ones that I'm like, all right, I can watch this. Like, I can get through this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I can relate. So I, that, I'll ask this next question then. What's the um, the cartoon or the movie that your kids watch that that you can – I don't want to say like, or but it's like, you're all right. Okay. I can, I can handle this. Yeah. Like I said, Sonic the Hedgehog, we've, we've gotten into that. Um, you know, 
I'm not real big into Disney princesses, you know. So um, anytime I can get them like on the Incredibles or Toy Story, um, I can watch, sit down and watch those. Um, but, you know, being that girl dad, I, I got to sit down and, and, and <laughs> I got to suck it up. And, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. watch them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, um, we are, uh, you know, because I have a, a daughter and then two two boys. And so, um, but my daughter, she's kind of the most headstrong one. And she usually calls the shots on the stuff. Um, if we're all watching something, it's kind of hard to uh, to change her her mind on stuff. And we've kind of gone through all, all those that you've talked about through those stages. But, um, you know, thankfully, we're kind of getting out of the little kid stuff where it's just like the songs and the things that get stuck in your head and you're singing all day. So I'm glad we're moving out of that stage um, and and into uh, some stuff that's at least, you know, you can at least. Uh, Your cocoa melon phase. Yeah, exactly. We're out of the cocoa melon <laughs> phase, thankfully. And uh, I don't even remember the rest of what, what they were, but just, yeah, all this, the songs and stuff. But anyway, well, Coach, I, I know you're about to, to head out on, on, on vacation. And, and so I just want to uh, thank you so much for um, sitting down and talking with us before you head out and uh, really appreciate you, you joining us. I want to wish you and the, the Eagles the best of luck in 2022. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Coach Campbell for joining us today. Hey, go and give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, you can find him at Coach underscore Gamble. Gamble is spelled G-A-M-B-I-L-L. And let him know you heard him here on KYPD. You can also reach out to Coach through his email, which can be found in the show notes of today's episode. If you aren't following us on Twitter, then you're doing it wrong, okay? Go and give us a follow. We always follow you back uh, unless you're some kind of sketchy bot account or something like that. But uh, you can find us at KYPD Podcast. Uh, and make sure you go and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, if you're a fan of the show, then please go and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. It takes just a couple minutes and goes a long way in helping spread the word about our podcast here. We're not going to catch Joe Rogan unless you guys start sharing. Unless you... We're not going to catch Joe. Look, we're not going to catch. Look, we're not going to catch Joe Rogan unless you guys start giving us more five-star ratings and reviews. Okay, so there we go. Our quote of the day goes like this. Integrity is choosing your thoughts and actions based on values, not personal gain. And with that, we will close out this episode of KYPD. Again, a big shout out to Coach Campbell for joining us today. Join us right back here next week for episode number 138. Until then, have a great week and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Break out the jorts and the Nike Monarchs this weekend and get on the grill or golf course or lake or whatever you like doing. Uh, enjoy your day. But however you choose to celebrate your Father's Day, you better remember one thing. What is it, Coach Gamble? Keep your pads down. <laughs>